Hey, this is Jim Fleming, and this is the Stuart Heights Fleming Sunday School Class Podcast. Here, you will find recordings of our weekly Sunday School class, as well as a few other teaching opportunities I get at my church. Now, this podcast is not intended to replace your Bible study, to replace your weekly church attendance, or to be your sole source of spiritual instruction. Go to church for that. This podcast is for members of my class who happen to miss a week here or there and don't want to fall behind. But before you listen to this episode, you may want to go to teachings.gym314.com and download student or teacher handouts, as well as any PowerPoints, so you can follow along visually and see what we saw in class, as well as take some notes. Thanks for listening. Come back often, and feel free to add this podcast to your favorite podcast app. I'd recommend Overcast. Now, let's get to this week's lesson. Morning, everybody. Good morning. All right, we are in Romans this week, week thirty. Can you believe we've been in Romans for thirty weeks, and we are in chapter eleven today? So I'm excited about being in chapter eleven. Um, we're going to start like we do pretty much each week, even last week when I was at the beach and you were here, and that was okay. Um, how many of you thought that was just quick poll? How many of you thought that was okay or better? How many of you thought that was the worst thing ever? Don't ever do that again. All right, Miss Darla, was, I got one. All right, you've been, you've been voted off the island, Miss Darla. Sorry, that's the... So, i got to be honest with you. Yeah. When I first... I, thought, I went had a flashback to my first video I ever saw of Rob Bell. I'm oh, sorry, but... Okay. He had better music than I did. And he has better skin than I do, but that's okay, too. So it's, Plus, I don't like the beach, so... Yeah. Well, I was thinking about being down on the beach, and then it was the background noise. And so the, yeah. the problem with that is that if you're videoing on the beach, you open yourself up to a wide variety of clothing perspectives. And I just I, I couldn't figure out how to eliminate enough variables so that that would be family-friendly on this end of the video. So, All right, cool. Awesome. So thank you all for uh, allowing us to do the, the video last week. It was very helpful to us uh, so that we could spend some family time and still keep plowing through Romans. So uh, the Bible study time proposal that we've been working through this year is a whole lot of asking the Holy Spirit for help, a whole lot of staring at the text, a whole lot of talking to other believers. And then if we have time, we get to some tools and that's fine. But if we don't, that's not the end of the world. Uh, the text for today, uh, today's class, what we're going to do is read the text, explain the text, apply the text. And the reading of the text today is going to take a little bit of time because we're going to read about two and a half chapters of Romans. And if you're, if you're not used to listening to a large portion of Scripture being read, don't try to follow along in your Bible. You don't have to do that. You can just listen or you can follow along if you want. Uh, we'll talk about what the words mean, ask some questions of the text, apply, personalize, and then we'll pray as a group. Uh, and then this is where we are in our series. So we're 30 weeks in. We've just crested chapter 11, uh, the righteousness as it pertains to the Jews and how that works and the relationship there. And next week, the Gentiles show up, and it's, it's a really fascinating section. So we'll start with Romans chapter 9, and we will read through 11.10. Romans 9. 
I'm speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen according to the flesh. They're Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To to them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. But it's not as though the word of God has failed. For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel, and not all are children of Abraham because they are his offspring. But through Isaac shall your offspring be named. This means that it's not the children of flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. For this is what the promise said. About this time, next year I will return, and Sarah shall have a son. And not only so, but also when Rebekah had conceived children by one man, our forefather Isaac, though they were not yet born and had done nothing either good or bad, in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls, she, Rebekah, was told, the older will serve the younger. As it is written... Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. So what shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, For this very purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. And you will say to me then, Why does he still find fault? For who can resist his will? But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will what is molded say to its molder, Why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay? to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he's prepared him before glory? Even us whom he has called, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. As indeed he says in Hosea, those who were not my people I will call my people. And her who was not beloved, I will call beloved. And in the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they will be called sons of the living God. And Isaiah cries out concerning Israel, through, though the number of the sons of Israel be as the sand as the sea, only a remnant of them will be saved. For the Lord will carry out his sentence upon the earth fully and without delay. And as Isaiah predicted, if the Lord of hosts had not left us offspring, we would have become like Sodom and become like Gomorrah. So what shall we say then? That Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it, that is, a righteousness that is by faith, but that Israel who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness did not succeed in reaching that law? Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as if it were based on works. They have stumbled over the stumbling stone. As it is written, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Brothers, My heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says... 
Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there's no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So how then will they call in him, on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him on whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have. For their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. But I ask, did Israel not understand? First, Moses says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. And with a foolish nation, I will make you angry. Then Isaiah is so bold as to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me, and I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. But of Israel, he says, all day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. I ask then, has God rejected his people? By no means, for I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah, how he appeals to God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets, and they have demolished your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. But what is God's reply to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. But if it is grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. So what then? Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. The elect obtained it, but the rest were hardened. As it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor in the eyes that would not see and ears that would not hear down to this very day. And David said, let their table become a snare and a trap a stumbling block and a retribution for them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they cannot see and bend their backs forever. So I want to ask you a question as we read this longer period, uh, longer passage of Scripture. I wore a shirt today that is highly offensive to a few of you. I'm sorry, Sean. Um, And it is highly offensive for one very simple reason. And what is that, Sean? What's that? Yankees suck, right? Yes. And, and if you are a Yankees fan, then I'm, I'm sorry. There's uh, an altar call at the end of the service today, and you have your opportunity to get your heart and life right with Jesus. Uh, but what, what is wrong with the shirt? Like, what, what is, the, what is the, the juxtaposition of thoughts and images here? Because you've got to describe this for people on the podcast who can't see my shirt today. I'm using the Red Sox colors and font to, to say the word Yankees, right? And some of you, when you looked at the shirt this morning, I saw you, you went, hey, Jim, how you, uh, uh, yeah, okay, cool. And, and some of you, when you read Romans 11, you read the words and you go, yeah, uh, wait, what? Would, did, did that just, I need to read that again. Yes, you should read it again. Because there are portions of Romans where Paul comes at people very, very directly and says the complete and total opposite. Because are the, are the Yankees and the Red Sox friends, like they hold hands going to school and 
Not so much, right? No, I mean, you, you, I thought you were going to hit me this morning, and I'm glad you didn't, so thank you for that. Um, but Paul comes at this, and he says directly the opposite thing of what the Israelites are expecting him to say. So as we go through today's text, and you say, well, that doesn't sound like... Yep, that's right. There's going to be some, some harder perspectives and difficult angles to look at today. And we'll talk about that at the end. What do we do with that? So let's, let's talk about the literary and structural observations. If you've got your handout there, there's several questions on your handout. The first one is, are there any literary or structural observations? So how does this week's text, Romans 11, uh, 1 through 10, begin? How does it start? Like literally, just look at the words. How does it start? I ask... Then, so if there's a then, there's a something before. So again, as we see, um, try to read larger portions so that we can understand what the context is. This is the reason that I read Romans 9, 10, and half of 11, was to help give us the context so that when Paul asked this question, I asked then that we have some context for the actual asking. Um, and then does he, does he quote any Old Testament passages here? Just a few, right? Yeah, you're like, good gracious, good gracious, it's unbelievable. So who? So let's do a quick review. Who has Paul quoted from the Old Testament so far? He's quoted Moses a few times, right? Who else has he quoted? Isaiah. You can almost like almost any answer will work here. Like just what's that? Yeah, Jacob and Esau. That whole story of Jacob and Esau. Who, who did he quote the last time I was in the room? Joel, yes, he quoted Joel, and you go, like, Joel? Like Griffith, the guy over there? No, no, not that Joel, like the Old Testament Joel, right? Sorry, you guys look really asleep today, so I'm going to have to, like, jump around and dance or something. What's that? Right off the bat, you got it? Excellent. Thank you, I appreciate that. Um, Yeah, he quotes just, like, dozens of Old Testament verses and a myriad of Old Testament writers, and I got to wonder... I got to wonder if he's not trying to touch everybody and make sure that my favorite Old Testament person, scholar, hero, fill in the blank, was both living these principles out and was an example for us as New Testament believers. Because when, when you have somebody explain one of your heroes to you in a new light, you go, oh, what? I don't. Hang on now. I don't know that, that that wasn't what I liked them for, right? I liked them for something else. Well, all of these Old Testament characters are part of the one big story of redemption that God is telling. And Paul picks some out and he says, this is how this one was used and this is how this one was used. And it's this beautiful little argument that he puts through. Little argument. (laughs) Did I just call Romans a little argument? I should strike that from the podcast. Exceedingly complicated argument. All right, so I ask then, has God rejected? So here's, here's your definitions, a couple of blanks for you. To push off, to reject, or to cast away. And I kid you not, I kid you not. He's not speaking here this morning, is he? Brian? Brian's at Saudi Daisy, yeah. You know the title of Brian's sermon is at Saudi Daisy today? Cast away, yeah, I kid you not. It was crazy, so... Um, totally different concept, but it's the same blank, so somebody would be happy with that. All right, so to push off, to cast away, what kind of terms do those sound like? Josh, what kind of terms do those sound like? Uh, No. (laughs) What's that? Come on. 
Nautical terms, yes, very much so. It's like, come on, we're playing t-ball. <laughs> She's cracked one over the fence, and you're still playing with your sneakers or something here. I mean, come on. All right. Stay with me. Stay with me. All right. So God has rejected to push off or cast away. So Paul's asking this. Has, has God taken the people of Israel and put them in a little boat and shoved them off? And, and when I say it that way, you go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, like 16 eyebrows furrowed all at once. Like, no, that's not. What's the response? By no means. Yes, good. We're, we're, we're aligning with Paul on his theology. Yeah. Has, God has not rejected his people. By no means. And, and who does Paul give as the first example? Me, 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 me. Yeah. He's like, I myself am an Israelite. Like right now, I'm an Israelite. A descendant of Abraham, a member of the, of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected or pushed off or cast away the people whom he foreknew. So what's one of God's ways that he describes Israel in the Old Testament? My what? My, 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 my or my, I thought you were going somewhere else with the CH. My chosen people. These are my people, Right? He says, I have, I have picked you. And why did God pick the Israelites? Because he wanted to. Right? Did he look at the Israelites and go, you know what? They are going to obey me like no people have ever obeyed me before. And I, I will... Like, no. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? I mean, this would be an example of God making a mistake. If we said God looked at the Israelites and said, oh, he's going to look down the corridor of time and see how great they're going to respond. All this. No, not at all. He picked them because he wanted to pick them. Like, why'd God pick Noah? Because he wanted to pick Noah. Wasn't because Noah was a good guy. Noah's goodness shows up after God picks him, not before God picks him. We get these stories all mixed up. So, all right. So, God has not uh, cast away or cast aside his people. He foreknew his people. Do you not know what the scripture says of who? Elijah. How he appeals to God against Israel. Now, I'm, I don't know how many of y'all have ever heard those um, Bibles that are read with the thunder in the background and the animated voices. I hate those. But I have a real hard time reading Romans 11 without doing just a little bit of that to Elijah. Because if you go back and you read this story... Like, this is pity party extraordinaire. I mean, he is, woe is me, I'm all alone, I'm, I'm so downtrodden, and I'm so hurt. And God goes, there's 7,000 dudes that you don't know about that I do. Just lay off of that, right? I mean, it's, it's just shockingly silly when you go back and you read this in context. So Elijah says, Lord, they have killed your prophets and they have demolished, or to, it literally means to mine underneath something, to destroy so that it falls in on itself, your altar. And I alone am left. It's only me, Lord. I'm your only faithful servant. The whole world is against me, and what have you done? And you get this sense of, like, want, 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 and finger-wagging at God just a bit, right? And how many of us are guilty of finger-wagging a God and saying, woe is me, I am... Yeah, right? So, let, uh, so Elijah, when we meet one day, uh, you can smack me around a little bit because you probably will because I've read stories of you. Uh, but we're all in this boat, which is kind of funny. They have demolished your altars and I alone am left. And what's the next word? They. 
those people who hate you, those people who I do not like, those people who are not followers of you, they seek my life. Now, there were people that were seeking his life. Uh, And then Paul asked the very pertinent question, but what is God's reply or his divine response? He says, I have kept. Now look at the definition for the word kept there. What's the first word in the definition? You're like, forsaken? Like, what? What, what is that about? Okay. Just, just hang tight on that one for a second. I have kept for myself 7,000 men. All right, I've got to explain a little math here real quick. So there's not a Hebrew word for the number 7,000. You know what the Hebrew is here? Or the, I'm sorry. Um, there's not a Greek word for 7,000. You know what the Greek word is here? Seven times 1,000. I was like, are you kidding me? Every time that they communicated a number, you had to do math to communicate the number? Like, that is just, that is mean. I, I never knew that about the, the Greek, so it was fantastic for me to learn that this week. Um, <clears throat> Julie found that fascinatingly boring, just as many of you did, so it's okay. <laughs> you did. I saw your eyes. You're like, oh, yeah, okay. Immediately back to the Kindle, right? It was, it was beautiful. <laughs> She serves, so thank you, Jules. Uh, but she serves as a spectacular filter for you all because you only hear like a third of the really awful jokes that she does. So you should all just say thank you to her periodically for this. So. All right, so I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed or bent over their knees to Baal. And, and who is Baal? Anybody remember who Baal was? Very generically, a false god. All sorts of like all sorts of really evil, wicked things that were done in the worship of Baal. This was not a, oh, you know, Baal tells us to go live in harmony with the world. No, 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 no. Baal was very, very bad. Like, and he's still worshipped today. That's exactly right. Um, <clears throat> all right, I got to talk about uh, Dr. Moore for just a second. So y- y'all are aware of this craziness that's happening in Charlottesville, right? So racism is sin. Um, White supremacy is sin. Uh, these things are wrong. These people should be called out and held accountable for this wrongdoing. Right? So let's, let's make sure that's our fundamental statement going in. Uh, Dr. Moore, uh, one of the officials in the Southern Baptist Ethics and Liberty something or another. I, I never get his title right. Super smart dude. I try to read about half of what he writes, and I understand about one-tenth of that. He's really, really smart guy. He retweeted somebody last night on Twitter and said, uh, this is evil and this is satanic. Twitter's official church of Satan responded to him and said, leave us out of this. This has nothing to do with Satan. I was like, holy cow. Like, how bad do you have to be that the church of Satan says, nope, we don't want to go there. Right? Like, this is, like, this is, now, so, so let's, let's make two points really clear. This is of Satan, right? Let's, let's be abundantly crystal clear. This is of Satan. This is the spirit of the Antichrist running around doing wicked things in the earth. And this is sin. So when you get an opportunity to call this out and say, this is wrong, please say, this is wrong. And when you hear somebody kind of hinting around and like, well, I don't, I don't know, this is a little bit like, no, that's wrong. Stand up for right, stand up for wrong, call it what it is, it is what it is. Okay, all right. Back to 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. 
so too, and this is the encouraging part, right? So Paul looks back and he says, Elijah didn't even know there were 7,000 people that were being faithful to God. And then he, what does he do? He's like, it's like this time traveler of theology. He jumps right into the present day. So too at the present time, this, this is the word for proper time or opportunity or season. There is now, Josh, what is is? Read it for me. Right now. We're going right now. Right? A what? A remnant. Right now there's a remnant. This is beautiful. This is absolutely beautiful. Your blank is remainder. It's another math term for you today. I came back fired up mathematically. <laughs> there's a remainder. Now, how do you define... Some of you are teachers. How do you define a remainder? It's the leftover, right? It's the, it's the leftovers. So, how would you feel if you're the Jews that follow after Christ who are being severely persecuted at that moment in time when that is being written and being called leftovers? Well, great, Paul. Thank you so much for that, right? You appreciate your... Sometimes they do. <laughs> what do you say? That's never true. Uh, you make a soup that is, that is good on day one. <clears throat> but on day like four, oh my goodness. Because it's steeped and it's stewed and it's just beautiful. It's got, it's got the... It, now, I don't eat it very often on day four because I don't eat leftovers very often. But it's much better several days later. All right, but that has nothing to do with what this word means. That's just something totally different. All right. Oh, that's one other thing. Um, we have a tendency in English Bible studies to take a word that meant something very specifically in Greek, and we go, ooh, 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 that looks like a modern-day word. I bet we could use it and apply exactly the way that what that word means today. And it, like, it literally means nothing like that. It means nothing like that at all. So um, y'all need to hold me accountable when you see me start going down that path and I'll look at a word and be like, I want, I want to go chase that word. Don't let me do that. Okay? Jane? All right. <laughs> Here we go. There's a remnant, what? Chosen, selected, elected by grace, by charis, by graciousness, by benefit, by favor. This is the favor of God. He, he had joy and pleasure in his selection. So then Paul asked the question, So, but if it is by grace, it's no longer on the basis of what? Because you can't have both, right? This is one of those, you are pregnant or you are not pregnant. You are not, well, we're sort of pregnant. No, you're not sort of pregnant. You are either pregnant or you are not pregnant. You are either operating under the principle of grace. I came back fired up, didn't I? You are either operating under the principle of grace or under the principle of works. And when you mix the two, you get works. Like this is the way this, this, this occurs. Theologically speaking, if you mix grace with works, you have works. Period. You either have grace or not grace. So let's look at the verse again, verse 6. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. And you're going, well, that's an awkward sentence. Well, it's not nearly as awkward in English as it is in Greek. 
So I want to show you something. And I, want you, I, want to, I don't want to stress you out. What I want to do is encourage you with how complicated Bible translation is and how thankful we all should be that we have good tools to use. All right? So what I have done is I have taken each word in the Greek and given the range of definitions for that word. So whenever you see the slashes, that's one word. It's if, whether, uh, but, and also, moreover, now, that's all one word. Grace is one word. No longer is one word. From, out of, after is one word. Works, toil, labor. So, so these are the range of translation options available to someone who is writing an English version of the Bible to translate that verse. Hard. <laughs> okay? It's like ridiculously hard. And, and here's what is really interesting. Some of you are looking at this verse and you're going, that doesn't look exactly like what's in my English Bible. It's not. It's absolutely not. Because the sentence structure in Greek is different than the sentence structure in English. And if we just translated every single word by the actual translation of the word, to transliterate the word over into English, it would make almost no sense whatsoever to an English speaker because words backward they would be. It'd be like Yoda on, I don't know, what would Yoda have to be on? Marijuana. <laughs> right? Yeah, Yoda on marijuana. That's what it would read like. It would just, it's horrible. It's absolutely incredibly difficult. So how we got Yoda on marijuana in Sunday school in Romans, I am... <laughs> It's going to take a long time to edit this podcast today, I know, right? When she looks at me and she says, wow, I'm in trouble. All right. So I just want us to recognize that because something looks pretty straightforward in English doesn't mean the work that had to be done behind it was very simple. So I, I like to do these types of things every once in a while. Now, some of you are just going to stare at this and be distracted the entire time. So we're going to go back to the schedule and you won't stare at this at all. All right. Verse 7. What... Then, he spent all this time building up. What then? Israel failed to obtain or to, to chance upon what it was seeking, what it was craving out for. The elect or the chosen, this is the same word back in 11.5, they obtained it. But the rest, the remnant, the residue, were what? Hardened. You remember my shirt? We're at that point. Okay. The rest were hardened. This means to be, uh, I think I put the definition in your, in your handout there, to be blinded, hardened, petrified, indurated. Had no clue what that word meant. To be rendered stupid or callous. Uh, a, a, a way to think about this is to when something gets covered with very thick skin. All right, so if you've got calluses, I'm looking at my hands. My hands don't have calluses on. <laughs> Grant, do, you, do your hands have calluses on them? You, yeah, no, all right. Who has calluses on their hands? Anybody have calluses on their hands? Carrie does. Carrie, all right, Carrie, we'll come back to Miss Carrie. What are your calluses from, Miss Carrie? The gym. The gym. Oh, you do? Holy cow! Look at the. That's no. I'm. I didn't think you were lying. I'm like I can see them though. It's kind of you know. Um, so what what did you do in the gymnasium or the gym to? Sorry. <laughs> Olympic team! Yay! <laughs> What do you do in the gym to get calluses? Get I should get more sun more often. Vitamin D is good for me, right? Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. SPF 70, baby. SPF 70. 
Lifting weights. All right, so, so you are picking up a bar of some type that is not perfectly smooth, right? And you don't want it to be perfectly smooth. You want it to have a little bit of grip so that you can actually hold on to it and you don't drop it, or, you know, right? Okay, good. And the repeated action of this touching this bar with ridges on it, that creates calluses. It creates a thicker skin. So I have a question for you. Why did your skin go thicker, thicker there? It's a very simple question. So why did your skin grow thicker there? Yeah, repetitive use. And, and so, so God designed our bodies to protect ourselves. Because think about this. If our bodies allowed us to repetitively use something and they didn't repair, this is bad. Right? This is very bad. We, we wouldn't have... I mean, the, the callus and the blister is for protection. However, too much callus and blister is painful and can actually impact your ability to, to use your hands properly. Right? Anybody ever met somebody whose hands were so calloused and so thick that they couldn't actually close them all? Because they were just... This happens, actually. Concrete workers. You ever been around concrete workers? You go shake a concrete worker's hand. It's not pleasant. <laughs> because it's just all callous. And it's ridiculous. like a vice grip, isn't it? Yes. Because they deal with concrete. Right? And their hands have responded accordingly. The water bottle did not fall. That was impressive. I'm usually more well aware of where things are. It's okay. All right. So look at this verse again. Verse 7. The elect obtained it, but the rest were hardened. So if you're not elect, what are you? Hardened. Two categories. Only two categories. This word means to cover with thick skin. You are, it, it literally, it, many times it was used to be of the blind, where, where eyes had, had, things had happened and skin was, had grown over and you couldn't see and something was wrong. It impacted your vision. Verse 8, as it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor. You're like, stupor? Is that stupid? No, it's not stupid. It's stupor. It means slumber or prickling. Prickling. P-R-I-C-K-L-I-N-G. You know that sensation that you feel when something wakes up that was asleep on your body and that prickly feel? It is this. This is what that is. A sensation of the limbs asleep. God gave them a spirit of being asleep. Eyes that would not see. Ears that would not hear or understand down to this very day. Anybody remember Jesus ever saying something like to his disciples, Oh no, this isn't for everybody. This is just for you. Right? My, my words are not going to be understood for everybody that hears this. And that's the reality. Verse 9, and David says, let their table, let their table is used in a variety of ways, but let their table become a snare and a trap or destruction, a stumbling block, a scandalon. This is the same word used uh, last week in Romans 9.33, or a couple of weeks ago, 9.33. This thing that you tripped over and a retribution or a recompense, a repayment for them. Let their eyes be darkened. This word means to be obscured, there's your blank, to be obscured. So they have extra skin, their eyes are darkened, they're tripping over things so that they cannot see and bend their backs forever. Does that sound like a good state to be in? I don't think so. I mean, some of you all hate 
that prickly feeling when you, uh, something wakes up and you're like, I, I, I just need to move this a lot so that that goes away very, very quickly. Ah, oh. my son is like this. He hates this. Like it's just, oh my goodness. He really, really detests it. Imagine a life characterized by being asleep, by being blinded. You can't see, you can't understand. So when we talk to people about Jesus and we, we get the sense that oh, you're just thick-headed. You're not getting any of the... Yes, that's exactly right. In a stupor, unable to see, unable to hear. Until what? Until the Holy Spirit turns on the lights and illuminates and begins the process of creating a new creature. So, a couple application points from this. Let's take a look. Application number one, there is an Israeli remnant who will be saved, which is good, right? So what do we do with that? Number one, evangelize Israelis. Share the gospel. This is good. This is good. Because we know at least some of this will be effective. Application number two, God's choice is based on what? Remember, we had two options, grace and works. God's choice is based on grace. Very good. Not works. So uh, what do we do with that? Number two, stop preaching works. Like, don't, don't preach works. Don't talk about how good you have to be. Talk about how good Jesus was. Uh, and application number three, God hardens some. He does. Uh, I've got a blank there for you, I think. I'm going to let you put whatever you want in that blank. I'll tell you what's going to go in my blank. My response to the fact that God hardens some is, Jim, stop apologizing for God's actions. Because I have a tendency to want to go, yeah, I'm sorry about that, but you know, that, this, is, this is really hard, and that, you know, it, it's just, uh... And I get waffly and wishy-washy, and the reality is, this is what the Bible says. And I'm going to lovingly share Christ, and this is what the Bible says. It's not a but this is what the Bible says. This is an and this is what the Bible says. So I want to challenge you to think through what are you going to do with the reality that God hardens some hearts and eyes and minds to understand. If you need to struggle with that for a few years, go struggle with that for a few years. But don't turn your back on the one who shined light because he does give the choice and the option to all. So next week, we're going to look at the Gentiles being grafted in. If you think I was excited today, you don't want to miss next week. We get invited to the party. And not just invited, we get grafted in. We have a seat. This is beautiful. This is fantastic. I am thrilled to be able to talk about this. So at your tables is a piece of paper called the weekly update. So make sure that you have shared your prayer requests at the top of, on, on that page on the left-hand side. Put your name down at the bottom. Uh, we have a lunch today at Ribbon Loin. I'm looking around. That's correct, right? Do we have a final count? 40 right now. So do we have an opportunity to add a few? So Miss Jessica, raise your hand. If you have not already communicated on Facebook or in person to Miss Jessica that you want to attend, you need to do that in the next, uh, we'll say 10 o'clock is the cutoff time. Does that work? Or five till? You'll be upstairs. Excellent. So you have to go find her if you want to come because we're going to go call in the number. So pray as a table. And when you are finished praying, you are dismissed. Thanks for coming to Sunday school today. Mm-hmm.